When the first Spanish missionaries arrived in the Americas, they were regularly amazed at the strange things they encountered. Everywhere they met, Mexico, Chile, Peru, Brazil, Paraguay, they encountered stories of a bearded and clothed stranger who many centuries before had preached of God to the Indians. What sort of things did he preach to them? Once in southwestern Mexico, in Chiapas, they had a God. They knew of a God who was the son of a virgin who was now in heaven with him. That God was scourged, crowned with thorns, put to death by crucifixion, and that had happened on a Friday. The people of Chiapas had also learned in ancient times to confess their sins, to fast on every Friday in honor of their God. They also knew that the crucified God remained dead for three days, and on the third day came to life again. Father Bernardino de Sugan, a saintly Franciscan, was one of the first missionaries sent to Mexico in 1529. He was perfectly fluent in Aztec, and at the command of his superiors, he wrote the great work called The History of New Spain. In it, he states that the fact that in ancient times, and I quote, a venerable white man, with long hair and a beard, and watched, walking with a staff, preached a holy law and a fast of 40 days all over America, and erected crosses that were revered by the Indians, to whom he announced that other men of his creed would come from the East to instruct and to rule over them." Close quote. Furthermore, that this fact was established, and he says, by all the hieroglyphics of Mexico, by the ancient songs and also the quipos of Peru, those are their knotted string records, and all the histories written by the Spaniards. Now that probably strikes most of us as being completely fantastic. The gospel preached in the New World before the Spaniards arrived. Well, let's take a closer look, starting with Scripture, we'll start uh, sorting out this mystery. In Matthew, Mark, Luke's gospel, and also in Acts, the Scriptures clearly record that the apostles were commanded by Christ our Lord himself to preach the gospel to all nations. I quote from St. Mark's Gospel. He said to them, Go ye into the whole world and preach the gospel to every creature. In Acts, the first chapter. But he said to them, You shall receive the power of the Holy Ghost coming upon you. You shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and even to the uttermost part of the earth. Later in the Acts of the Apostles in St. Paul's letter to the Romans, and in his letter to the Colossians, the scripture states that the faith has been spoken of in the whole world. Now, a great many of the fathers of the church explain these passages as they are to be taken absolutely literally. That the faith was literally preached everywhere. For example, Tertullian, who we cited just a few minutes ago, an early writer, commenting on Romans 10, states clearly that the gospel has been preached to the entire world. Not simply all the known nations, both civilized and barbaric, but to all the nations and the islands, remote and unknown. That's his verse, Contra Deus, chapter 7. Pope St. Gregory the Great states clearly, the mystery of our redemption has been announced in every part of the universe. To make the list short, we'll simply limit to the study of doc the doctors of the universal church who teach this point. St. Hilary of Podium, St. John Chrysostom, St. Jerome, St. Thomas Aquinas, St. Ambrose, the Venerable Bede, St. Gregory the Great. Now these great saints, these fathers and doctors of the Universal Church, all teach that the gospel was literally preached all over the world, that the explicit command of our Lord to preach to even the most uttermost parts of the earth 
was literally fulfilled. Okay, so we have the fathers and doctors stating that the faith was literally preached everywhere. And we have a specific example of a preaching here in this hemisphere witnessed to by the saintly Franciscan missionary and historian Father Sahugan, who wrote in the middle of the 1500s, it was a simple fact, attested to by all the codices of Mexico, by ancient songs and the quipos of Peru, and by all the histories written by the early Spaniards, that a venerable white man with long hair and a beard, walking with a staff, preached the gospel all over America. Well, just who was this venerable bearded evangelist? Do we know? As a matter of fact, we do. The Indians told the Spanish missionaries who it was. But before we look more closely at his work in this hemisphere, let's first take a brief look at his work in the Eastern Hemisphere. His feast day is coming on this Thursday. His name is St. Thomas. He's the Apostle St. Thomas. Of course, we're all familiar with the story of doubting Thomas from the Gospel of St. John. When our Lord told Thomas, put thy finger hither and see my hands, and bring hither thy hand and put it in my side. Be not faithless, but believe. And Thomas answered, my Lord and my God. We all know that. But how many of us know the rest of his story? In the Great Commission, those are the closing lines of St. Matthew's Gospel, our Lord commanded the apostles to teach all nations. What exactly did that mean in the case of St. Thomas? What nations was he sent to? The breviary tells us that St. Thomas the Apostle preached in what is now Iraq, Iran, Afghanistan, southern Russia, Pakistan, and then India. He wound up in the northwest part of India in a kingdom where the demon Shiva was worshipped, and that, also, that kingdom also covered what's now Pakistan. He established the church there and left it in the care of a native Indian. Then after being gone for some years, in the year 52, according to both the Christian and the Hindu traditions, he showed up again in India, this time landing on the southwestern coast, the Malabar coast. The Brahmin traditions tell how, and I quote from them, Taman, an opponent of all Hindu writings came to the Malabar coast and converted many prominent people in the land. Kali year 3153, that would be 52 AD on our calendar. Kali year 3153, the foreigner Thomas Sanasi came to our village and preached there, causing pollution. Causing Catholicism is what he means. Causing pollution. We therefore came away from that village. Now, the Christian traditions tell of the cure of hundreds and baptisms of thousands by St. Thomas. This is one of the first parishes I've worked in without Sir Malabar Catholics who have these kind of, they can tell you stories about St. Thomas because their ancestors were converted and for those of us that are European before most of our ancestors were converted. He worked for 70 years on the western coast before crossing over to preach on the eastern coast. One day in 72, St. Thomas was praying in a cave in a hill near modern day Madras. This cave where he was praying was near a temple of Kali Kali is the goddess of death. Uh, she's depicted with a necklace of skulls, riding a horse, and the saddle is made from the flayed-out skin of a man, but they left the head in, you know, so he's got, it's flopping around on the side, and drinks human blood from a chalice uh, made from uh, the crowns of two human skulls put hand to hand. So her worshippers are called thuggies. That's where we actually get the word thug. Um, they offer sacrifice to her, human sacrifice, preferably by strangling. And again, that is where we derive the word thug. As St. Thomas was praying, some Brahmins from the temple of Cali attacked him and one pierced his heart with a lance. 
He died on a stone there at Mylapore, India. The stone now has a cross engraved on it. On numerous occasions over the years, this stone has been seen to ooze blood on the 18th of December. Diocesan authorities have certified that at the end of at least one bleeding, the stone turned a glistening white before returning to its original black. The St. Thomas Christians of India, the Cyril Malabar Rite Catholics, can trace the founding of their church directly back to the Holy Apostle. And they also hold that St. Thomas preached to the Chinese, perhaps during years between leaving Northwest India and coming to Southern India. St. Francis Xavier found traces of St. Thomas's preaching uh, among the islanders off China. And they say that St. Thomas preached to the men beyond the great island. Beyond what great island? Nobody's really sure. Some take it to be Sri Lanka, and some take the great island to be Sumatra. Anywhere, where beyond the great island did St. Thomas preach? Well, we'll cite a few examples from the New World. Brazil. Father Seguin said that anyone who reads the Chronicles of Brazil must be impressed with the fact that since ancient times, the names of Jesus, Mary, and St. Thomas have been preserved. Since ancient times. The Brazilian natives showed the missionaries the path St. Thomas used to travel to Peru. His preaching was still remembered by the tribes there. When he departed, he left his footprints on the rocks, and those were still to be found in eastern Brazil, where Father Emmanuel Nabrego, S.J., saw them, as he noted in a letter of 1552. Peru. The most ancient traditions of Peruvians tell of a white-bearded man who arrived in Peru from a southerly direction, clothed in a long violet garment and a red mantle. He taught the people to worship the true God and Creator rather than the sun and the moon. He healed the sick and gave sight to the blind and cast out demons. He left a notched stick with the great chief in order to remind everyone of the commandments. His name, Tonapa Arnava, seems to be a corruption of Tomapapa, and Arnava signifies to pour water, probably referring to baptism. So who can notice that the Peruvians gave the name of Pytunes, or Father Thomas's, to the missionaries after the Spanish conquest? Although overzealous missionaries pounded out ancient inscriptions on rocks which were venerated by Indians as precious relics of the, of the man who preached in the Holy Law, St. Terribius, he was the Archbishop of Lima, gave orders to cover all such places with chapels, being convinced that the old traditions were uh, worthy of religious respect. Paraguay. On May 1st, 1533, the leader of five Franciscans of Paraguay wrote a letter in which he states they had been received like angels by the natives from whom he learned that four years before a prophet had arrived amongst them and announced that soon brothers of St. Thomas would come to baptize them, that the newcomers would not only not harm them, but do them great good. He taught them songs on how to keep the commandments and many other Christian teachings. Near 1609, when Father Catalino Mocheda met the chiefs assured them that according to their ancestral traditions, a learned man named Paituma, or Paizuma, which means Father Thomas, had preached in their country the faith of heaven, made many conversions among them. When he left, he prophesied that they and their descendants would abandon the worship of the true God, but in the distant future, other messengers of the same God would come with a cross like he carried and restore among them the faith he'd preached to them. When he left, he left traces of his footsteps in the rocks in various places. In Paraguay, uh, those footsteps can still be seen on several hills. I just looked at them last week at pictures of one of them on the internet, if you know which hills to look at. Some years later, another district of Paraguay, two other priests were greeted with great joy by the Indians when they saw them approach with the, with the crosses in their hands. And they were told the same story, although they referred to, to Pai Tuma as Pai Abara, which meant the celibate father. In all these regions, the first missionaries were called, called Pai Zumas by the natives. Uruguay, 
The natives could still point to a place where he'd sat down to rest. Their traditions were that St. Thomas had prophesied the later coming of men who would teach their descendants the faith of the true God. So you have the codices of Mexico, the Quipos of Peru, testimonies of various tribes throughout Central and South America, and the reports of Spanish missionaries, all witness to the preaching of St. Thomas in this hemisphere. So in one sense, it's a little surprising because probably most of us haven't heard this before. But after all, it's nowhere near as surprising or hard to believe as the fact that the Almighty God became a little itty bitty baby. But if they're actually men, they can whisper words to a piece of bread. A piece of bread becomes a man, that man is God. So on the one hand, it might be a little surprising, but on another hand, nothing should be less surprising. For we know that God desires the salvation of all men. And if he desires that, and if he loves the world so much that he gave his only begotten son, that anyone that believeth in him shall not perish but have life, and life everlasting. Is it really any surprise at all that having sent his son to his own, the Jews, who received him not, is it really surprising that he sent his messengers to the four corners of the earth, to the highways, to the byways, to invite to the marriage feast those he prepared the marriage feast and he invited them to. Perhaps some might wonder if St. Thomas brought the gospel to Americas, why were the Indians such pagans when the Spaniards arrived some 15 centuries later? And the answer to that is just meditate on what we're going to be if we have another 10 or 12 centuries and we're living like we're living now. So let's make this Christmas a season of thanks. Profound thanks. Let's turn to the little Lord Jesus and thank him for this wonderful gift of faith, this faith without which it is impossible to please him. And beg him for the grace to live and die in that faith which has been announced to the whole world. Let's beg St. Thomas for the grace to be not faithless, but to believe.